Hi, welcome to today's video. I want to talk about how I find my mix and how I help other singers find their mix. And um, this is the area of the voice where we're transitioning from one mode to another mode or from chest voice to head voice. There's like a little bit in the middle that can end up being a bit chaotic. Um, and I have a challenge with it. My background is classical. So I was trained classically. So I was trained to bring um, uh, my kind of thinner sound, my what we call what I call mode two. Some others may call head voice. Others may call cricothyroid dominance down as far as it will go. So I'm bringing this mode. Right, so you're bringing this classical soprano sound all the way down to the bottom. And then I would start a kind of unpacking, unwrapping my chest voice. It was like a discovery to me when I was um, in my mid twenties. I was like, I think I kind of want to sing pop music properly. How do I do that? So I started figuring that out. And so I can access that pretty well also. So that's like your mode one. So let me go through the modes. Mode zero, these are the vibratory patterns. There's four vibratory patterns of the vocal folds and uh, researchers researchers have a, a kind of assigned these different modes so mode zero is vocal fry uh, mode one is your speaking voice like i'm speaking in mode one right now hey 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 um uh, mode two is falsetto ah, and mode three is and so mode one encapsulates belt mix chest um, but there are nuances that we need to do at the top of this mode one if we're kind of going into what's called the transition area, the passaggio, the bridge. Um, the voice isn't just going to it continue on as we would like it to. There's this almost like a balancing act that needs to happen. And we need to we need to address that from both a uh, acoustic standpoint and a registration standpoint so what do I mean by that I mean that what you're doing vowel wise like how you're shaping your mouth placing your tongue all of that affects what the vocal folds do and then what the vocal folds do is important as well they need to be in this kind of dance together because the vocal folds how they're meeting, whether they're meeting like with their full depth and length or whether they're on their edges or they're a little bit open at the back, that's going to affect how the air is flowing and how much air pressure is being created. Um, and so we, uh, the, what I'm going to teach you today is an exercise that both has an acoustic strategy to it and a registration strategy. And I think generally all of the exercises that I prescribe anyway, and probably that most, excluding maybe an SOVT, a semi-occluded vocal tract exercise, doesn't kind of eliminate that play with acoustics. Um, but most other exercises, if there's a vowel in there, you're, you have a resonance strategy. But we're going to be clever about that. We're not, we're not going to do any old vowel, right? Let's look at the vocal fold closure firstly. So this is your registration strategy. So vocal foreclosure is essentially breath management. Remember how this is the valve at the top. If you want to practice for me, pretend you're lifting something really heavy and you're going to close your vocal folds to do that. So you're going to go. Do you notice how much air pressure is created underneath the vocal folds when they're closed that much? So what the vocal folds do has a massive impact. Like it's it's a complete dance between what the airflow is doing and what the vocal folds are doing. You can't have one without the other. 
Um, so now I actually try at making a sound with that very pressed vocal fold closure. So if you're going, ah, it's a very pressed, ah, okay. And now try it where it's really airy, right? And leave your vocal folds open, make a barely, um, barely make a sound with the vocal folds open like this. Okay, so you, you notice that like the air floods out, you're gasping for air afterwards. Very common that people who think they have issues with breath control have issues with vocal fold closure. So what we're looking at right now is how the vocal folds meet because oftentimes we end up getting a little bit jammed and pressed as we ascend. And then it has to flip over into this very airy sound, right? And we don't want that to happen. What we can use here is we can trick the vocal folds by unsetting a little bit of vocal fry. So let's access vocal fry first of all. So can you talk like Kim Kardashian right now? Okay, oh my God. I just wanna also side note that I know vocal fry gets a lot of, um, it has a bad reputation, a little bit online, don't I know? I posted a TikTok about it last year and all hell broke loose. Um, do you want to be talking with vocal fry and using vocal fry all the time? No, it's not resonant. It's not, doesn't have any pitch or range in it. It's, um, not a useful mode to use for the practical use of your voice. You don't want to do that. But when used in the right way in an exercise, is it helpful with context? Oh my God. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's already like, it's a natural setting in the voice it's just that it's not a resonant useful setting in life right your voice you're going to get tired you're going to get fatigued it's just not a good default to have and um, but we're going to use it appropriately in this exercise let's try going back to back with your mode one your like a chest voice sound and a vocal fry so you're going to say for me on a c we're going to do it on an a vowel so try a chesty a I onset that a little bit with a glottal. If you want to, you don't have to do that. That was like a natural for me. Ah, I kind of onset it at this time with a bit, bit more breath. Ah, I just want to make sure that it's nice and chesty. I don't want ah or ah. I want ah. Say for me, yeah, like you're speaking. So it's more speaky than singy. Yeah, ah, okay. Now try for me, um, just, just fry. Ah, uh, no pitch, okay. Ah, uh, but on an ah vowel. Ah, so we just have the vowel. We have no pitch. Ah, okay. So now you're going to go back to back. We're going to go fry, chest, fry. So we're going to go. Ah, okay. Try it again. Ah, right. They feel very similar, don't they? Obviously, they don't sound similar, but they feel similar, right? Try it back to back with falsetto. So say, do for me. Ah, ah, just a very light airy ah. now i want you to go back to back with fry ah. so try that for me ah. 
doesn't feel as similar right so mode one and vocal fry how the vocal folds are coordinating have a lot of similarities we have a very similar level of air pressure at ratio to air flow in both of those modes so that's why it can be really helpful because it's very hard for us to get extrinsic muscle tension or to um once we stay relaxed with that vocal fry it can really allow us to open up or kind of change our patterns when we're ascending in the chest voice so it's like a pattern interrupt and it also kind of relies more on the intrinsic muscles of the larynx rather than the extrinsic which we also want to happen so what we're going to do is kind of trigger this vocal fold coordination with an onset of the fry um and we're going to start here so we're on this note yeah 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 okay so now for the acoustic strategy i love uh and ah they're my two favorite pop vowels i tend to use uh earlier as i move through the transition and ah later so uh kind of brings me up from my e above middle c up through to a a4 above middle C and then after A4 I do need to start modifying an A in there. Let me show you on the spectrogram analyzer why. Welcome to Vacha Vista. This is the best thing on the internet. Um, it is a spectrum analyzer so you can see what my voice looks like. When we sing, we not only sing the pitch that we're singing, we also um, sing several pitches above that. The, we create what's called a harmonic series or the overtone series. And um, the ear interprets the pitch that we're singing as the pitch, like so the first harmonic as the note that we're singing. And then the ear interprets all the other pitches that are created when we sing, which I will show you now in a second, as tone, as timbre, as your, you know, yeah, your resonance. So if I sing an A3, A3 is the A just below middle C, uh, and that is 220 hertz. That's the measurement of it in sound, which means my vocal folds vibrate 220 times per second. If I sang A4, uh, that's 440 hertz per second. That means my vocal folds are vibrating 440 times per second. So let me sing you my A3 and let's see what it looks, looks like. Ah. Uh, Okay, let's play it. Ah, uh, awesome. Let's filter it. So this is the pitch that I sung and is the first harmonic in the series of harmonics that I created when I sang. Oh, it's a cute little sine wave. Oh. Okay, now I just sang that note, but hang on a second. I also seem to have sung this note. Oh my god, octave above, 440 hertz. And this one. And this. And so on. The interval, uh, the space between each note, the intervals get smaller and smaller as you go higher and higher. So we're mainly interested in the first and second harmonic when we're singing. 
and that's mainly what the ear is perceiving when the voice is boosting or resonating mainly the first harmonic it tends to sound more choir like or more um classical or woodwindy who sounding right when the second harmonic is boosted it sounds more pop more belty more you know brassy and big and powerful and so therefore as i am transitioning my voice from the bottom to the top so i'm mainly concerned with bridging my voice from the f4 which is 350 hertz up to around a d a c sharp we'll call it a c sharp i usually call it a d flat but they have a sharp here so uh, the c sharp uh, which is 550 hertz right that's the first harmonic that's the pitch the song pitch but remember if we're trying to sing in a contemporary style we actually want to be boosting the second harmonic which is an octave above which is double the hertz so if i'm boosting from f4 what's what's double 350 it's 700 what's double 550 it's 1100 so from 700 to 1100 is actually the range at which i want to be boosting okay to make sure that i stay nice and stable and i sound in that pop style and i don't flip over um that's where i want to be at resonance wise so here is a little vowel chart um let me show you the first and second harmonic check out this this is the first resonance and the second resonance aka the first formant and the second formant these are boosters right and how do we um create boosts we shape vowels in a certain way to create a boost i if i'm moving from my f4 above c up to my um, c sharp five i want to create a boost around 700 hertz to 1100 hertz so i need to get these lines close to that range and let's see if we sang an e vowel for example oh hell no e is the second harmonic is nearly up to 3000 hertz the first harmonic is below 300 sure that's way out of scope so an e vowel is not going to be a handy one to use as i try to successfully mix and bridge my voice um through up through the range okay remember we're wanting to be in this range of one uh, sorry 700 hertz up to 1100 hertz okay so instead of the e vowel what do we where do we want to be at that's not going to work so i really want to be narrowing in on the 700 to 1100 range what vowels are going to work for me there can you hear that that is some mix of an uh and an ah. Uh, Can you hear it? Uh and ah. Uh, That's why uh and ah are your best vowel friends ever for bridging your voice. They work a treat for me. That's why we're going to put them into the exercise today. Um, because they boost 
the harmonics we want to boost. We want to boost 700 to 1100 hertz, generally as we move from an F4 up to a C sharp 5. Um, done, science, maths, acoustics, physics. What more could you ask for? So we're going to use the consonant N and put the fry on the N. And then we're going to sing uh, the vowel uh. So like this, starting on E above middle C. Na, na, na. Got it? Na, na, na. And hang on the vocal fry a little bit to really find your coordination, that registration strategy. Na, na, na. Na, na, na. Na, na, na. Na, na, na. bit wobbly almost like you were walking a tightrope that tightrope always stays thin it never gets wider you just get better at walking it you can continue to practice that what we're trying to achieve is this very kind of gradual handing over feeling right we know the vowel needs to hand over right acoustically things need to hand over we know at the vocal fold vibration level right how they're vibrating that needs to hand over we're trying to you know eliminate this very abrupt thing to happen or just kind of overriding the system and what i feel you know when somebody really just pulls their their big chest voice all the way up to the top um they kind of it's like driving in never changing gears have you ever driven gear stick it's like just always staying in first gear and just revving it up to the top we want to like but we also don't want to be the singer that goes from first gear to fifth gear we're like <laughs> so we're trying to move through second gear third gear fourth gear into fifth gear um and i think that this exercise accessing that little bit of vocal fry and then being very cognizant of the quality of the vowel from o to a um is a magic maker for me and has been uh, so i hope that that's helpful make sure you check my link below if you would like to work with me live on one of my boot camps um, i'd love to hear from you so do check that out and thanks for watching and i will see you again <laughs>